am Blake. I'm Caleb. And this is the Sunday Underground. Uh, we have our friend Morgan with us again. Hello. How are you doing today? Good. How are you guys? Good. Doing fine. Doing fine. Um, let's see. Today, um, I think we did, what, a true crime one last week? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the foot yeah, fetish I remember. killer. Yeah. Foot fetish killer. Yeah. 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 Uh, so today we're switching it up a bit and going back to ghost things. And we're going to do haunted houses and specifically haunted houses in Indiana. And I've got three of them today and I'm going to save the worst for last. Okay. So the first two aren't that bad, but the last one is definitely terrifying. So the first one we're going to talk about is the Whispering Estate. It's located at 714 Warren Street in Mitchell, Indiana. And we're all from... Or, like, live in Indiana. But I had never heard of this town. Me either. Yeah. We've heard of Mitchell? Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Where's it by? It's um, south of Bloomington, I saw. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. has a population of 3,934, and it is the home of the Persimmon Festival. Okay. Yeah, really small town. Yep. Uh, so the, sta- the town started out as a railroad town in the mid-19th century. And in 1894, the Whispering Estate was built. It's a Victorian mansion that's about uh, 3,700 square feet. It has four bedrooms and two and a half baths. And in 1901, it was sold to Dr. John Gibbons and his wife, Jessie, by Dr. George and his wife, Sarah. So when Dr. John moved in, he set up his practice on the first floor in like the front two rooms of the house. He put out an advertisement in the local paper And it read, Dr. John Gibbons, physician and surgeon, office and residence south of Warren Street, two doors east of Methodist Church, and their phone number was 41. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, obviously there weren't that many telephones Mm -hmm. at that time, but I thought that was funny. Yeah. Uh, So Dr. John was said to be good and kind in the articles that were written about him. Uh, but those articles were also written by himself. So <laughs> That's funny. Uh, the other people in the town, they didn't agree with his self-assessment and thought that he was a womanizer and that he took advantage of his female patients. Him and his wife were unable to have children, so they adopted three orphans. And for a while, everything in their house was great. But on Christmas Day in 1921, when their daughter Rachel was 10 years old, she snuck into the parlor while the, where the Christmas tree was set up because, you know, she wanted to look at all of her presents early. Uh, so while she was digging around, she got too close to the fireplace and her dress got fire, like <gasps> caught fire, and she ended up being badly burned. Now, there's also like two different versions of how she got burned. Some people think that... Like, you know how they used to have, like, lit candles Mm -hmm. back on the Christmas tree, which, you know, like, open flames on a dry Christmas tree. Yeah, that sounds very dangerous. So, some think that she caught her dress on fire by, like, getting too close to the candle. And then there's another story, uh, which was, you know, like, this is what, like, the psychic said happened. Uh, They said that Rachel snuck into Dr. John's office and stole a vial of ether, went into the parlor opened the bottle up and passed out. And when she passed out, she knocked over a candle and caught herself on fire. Mm-hmm. That one's kind of weird to me mm-hmm. because like, why would a little girl 
get a, a vial of ether? Like, what would be the point for doing that? I know kids do, like, weird shit all the time, but that just seems kind of far-fetched. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they took her up to her room to treat her, but she passed away two days later in her room. And some psychics think that Dr. John killed her by overdosing her on morphine because, you know, since she was all burned up, she wasn't the perfect child anymore. After Rachel died, their other daughter, uh, 10-month-old Elizabeth, she died from cot death or uh, SIDS. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then two weeks later, Dr. John's wife, Jessie, she passed away in the same room as Elizabeth from double pneumonia. Dr. John kept his practice open for 27 years until he retired, but three years after his wife died, they held an insanity inquest against him, stating that he was a danger to himself and to others. He would, like, carry a gun around, and he would be, like, in his pajamas and walk around town and tell people that he would kill them. So he was obviously a little crazy. Uh, the doctor that evaluated him noted that he was emotional, lost, he would talk incoherently, he was sometimes violent, and was possibly addicted to drugs. He thought it would be beneficial for John to be admitted to a state hospital for some time, but four days later, after the inquest, he was found to be sane. During his older years, he was senile, and his brother had to have him committed. So, in addition to the death of his two children in the house and his wife, there was also a man who lived there in the 60s, and he died in the upstairs bathroom. And then there was a little boy who also died in the home, and he fell down the front staircase and passed away. And also, too, there's probably a lot more people who died than just these people because it was a doctor's office. Mm, and yeah. he was like a surgeon, so they probably contribute to the hauntings as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So over the years, the house uh, changed hands a couple of times, and at one point it was made into apartments. In 2000 to 2004, a new owner bought the house and began, uh, you know, like doing renovations. So while renovating, they would hear like whispering and knocking and footsteps throughout the house. And like with all the whispering, that's um, like how the house got its name because like they people would say that they'd feel somebody like walk up behind you and whisper in your ear. Yeah, I don't like that at all. I would hate. So it was then sold and bought again and now you can take tours of it or, you know, if you're into like paranormal research, you can go in there and do your thing with all your equipment. I personally would not go to this house giving like what I've read about it and especially becomes because like some psychics say that in the backyard there are four graves in one grave that they call a pit grave. And in the pit grave is amputated limbs, fetuses from abortions, and organs, which would make sense since this guy was like a doctor. Mm -hmm. You'd have to have somewhere to shove all those body parts. But what? (laughs) What? Right out the back door, though? (laughs) I mean, you think you could... Take him to the city dump or something at least. Like, <laughs> did they have city dumps back then? Like, uh, I'm not sure when a landfill started. <laughs> <laughs> um, so people and the staff that run the house, they've reported that like candles have flown across the room, beds will shake, doors slam. There's the whispering noises, and like somebody will make like kissing noises in your ear. Mm. Uh, doorknobs, they'll like shake and rattle. 
and people hear growling and some people have been pushed. So in Dr. John's room, an employee was scratched on the back of the neck and also heard her name called. Women will also be grabbed and groped or they'll feel like someone's whispering in their ear, which if what they say about him being a womanizer mm -hmm. is true, then I can see how that would definitely make sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So they also like on the first floor, like where the, uh, you know, doctor's office part was, they caught an EVP of someone saying break his knees. So that's terrifying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In the room that Jesse died in, People have reported uh, being like short of breath or like they just can't breathe at all. The doorknob will shake and then the door will open and this will happen like multiple times. So they'll have to like get up and just keep closing the door like over and over again. Rachel's room is also said to have a lot of activity in it, but that it's a calmer and more friendly feeling when you're in that room. It's a little creepy, like given the vast amount of dolls that are sitting on her bed. But other than that, it looks pretty harmless, just like a normal bedroom. Uh, people have seen the dolls move around, and some people say that they've heard the dolls laugh and make sounds. So, no. In 2016, a woman brought Rachel a doll to add to her collection, and when she brought it, it, like, wasn't a brand new doll or anything, but it was still in pretty good condition. Uh, she put the doll on the bed and then went downstairs to try and communicate with Rachel but nothing was happening, so she goes back upstairs to Rachel's room, and the doll that she had brought with her was gone. So they look everywhere, but they can't find the doll, so they call it a day and leave. Three months later, she comes back and still can't find the doll, uh, but they hold their investigation, and while it's going on, they hear a noise upstairs, so they start to make their way like up the stairs to her room. And... Before they can get up there, the doll that they had been looking for was thrown down the stairs. They pick up the doll and they notice that, like, it smelled burnt. <laughs> the attic is probably said to be the worst part about this house. Psychics think that there's a portal or a vortex that runs from the attic down to the parlor. And, like, a couple of weird things have happened up there. A guy was up in the attic, and he was, like, hit in the chest really hard. A woman was laying down up there, and she said she felt two entities, like a man and a woman, around her bed. And then she felt like she had claws in her back, and she couldn't move. She couldn't scream. And she said that she felt like the claws were trying to, like, drag her down. Mm. Another guy was pushed down the attic stairs, and he said he felt a cool breeze behind him, which shouldn't have been possible because it's an attic. It was like the middle of summertime. All the mm -hmm. windows were boarded up. So he feels like this cool breeze. And then right after he felt it, he was pushed down the stairs and had to get eight stitches in his eyebrow. Damn. Yeah. So <clears throat> while I personally would never go tour this house if that is your thing you can you can go to whisperestates.godaddysites.com and you can book your tour there and you can also watch some of the videos and look at the photos that have been taken at the house like there's like um like in the photo section on the website there is like pictures of people's scratches that have happened while they were in that house mm -mm. Like I've said before, like, I am not that curious. Mm -mm. Like, 
bad stuff has happened in the house. Why would you purposely go mm-hmm. to the bad stuff? I mean, things happen, but mm-hmm. you I have like, a choice. I like reading about it. I like learning about it. It's one of my favorite things to read about. But there's no way in hell I would step foot in a house that could be potentially haunted. Me either. I don't think I would either. Mm-mm. It just does not seem like a good time. No. No. So, okay, so the next house I have is the Asher Walton house. And this one is not as scary, but it's still kind of cool. So this one is in Atlanta, Indiana. Have you guys ever heard of that one? No. Nope. Never. Never. Well, I'm not surprised because the town has a population of a whopping 762 people. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So it's, and this town is actually north of Noblesville. And the Asher Walton house was built in 1868 by a man named Asher Walton. Asher became an industrialist and began making a name for himself in town, and he caught the eye of Julia Wool. She was also pretty influential in the community because her dad was like the founder of the city. So they got married, and he had the house built for his wife as a wedding gift. And it took four years to build this house because he bought in builders from Belgium and Germany to work on the house. The house was super popular back in the day. They would host parties and dinners, and they would even have wakes. And wakes were generally common in homes at that time because, yeah, you know, like, there was just really, like, no other place to do it. So they'd set up, like, the viewing room usually in their parlor. And this would be for, like, non-relatives, too. Like, if you had, like, a nice, yeah. fancy house, your wake was held in your home. Yeah, and there's, like, what? Okay, I just find this very odd, but, mm-hmm. but there's, like, food sitting out. Do people kind of, like, eating appetizers and yeah. things? Yeah, and then like they cocktail just, hour. Yeah, and then there's just the body. <laughs> I know. You know, I can't imagine that I would be very hungry looking at that. No. Yeah. I, I kind of get it, though. Like, you know, they're kind of hanging out with you, and it's it's to remember them and stuff, but still it's, like, a dead body, and mm-hmm. you're just, like, it's having like, some crackers and cheese and yeah, whatever. it's, like... One last hors d'oeuvre party before you. Yeah, but in the ground. Anyway, I just, I've always seen that in like, yeah, Irish movies and things where they're like really mm-hmm. religious, like Catholic and stuff like that. And it's just, I don't know, I, I've never understood it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think I'd, I don't want to. I've only ever been to like one funeral though. Yeah. yeah, and so, I don't think they did that at the funeral that I was at. But I remember like after the funeral, I, everybody went to a house and ate. Yes. Like, there was like a big dinner and stuff, mm-hmm. which is a little better. You're mm-hmm. not eating in front of a dead body. So keywords, little. It's a little better. I've been to a few funerals and there's always like dinner afterwards and everybody's eating and I've never ate. I'm just like, I don't want to eat fried chicken right now. Yeah. No. And that that's the thing. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Like. Like I said, I've only ever been to one funeral, but the image will forever be burned into my brain because it was an open casket funeral. I will never forget what they looked like laying in that coffin. I honestly don't ever let anybody, like, if I die, I don't want an open casket. Don't look at me. Yeah. That's weird. I don't know if I'd want one either. I'm indifferent. I guess it depends on the style of death. I kind of want to be cremated, though, so... Yeah. I mean, if you guys want to look at my ashes, that'd be fine. Well, you're in an urn. They're just looking at your urn sitting up there on like a pedestal. I don't know. Oh, that'd be cool. It's on a pedestal. I would yeah. love that. Yeah, you can get that. Yeah. Uh, if you were mauled by like a bear, I guess it would be 
you know, you'd want a closed casket or mm-hmm. in an urn. But like, if you just died peacefully, I mean, I don't know. People want to see you. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, like with my children, I don't want them to like that image to be like burned in their brain of me just laying in a casket. Because uh, let me tell you what, I remember every single detail from that funeral. Sure. Yeah. And sometimes people need closure though. Yeah. You know, one last, well, just one last look. Okay. Well, I can see that part of it. We've digressed. Well, okay. So, <laughs> um, so in addition to their wakes that they would hold at their house, they would even host like these creepy ceremonies on every full moon. Only men were allowed to attend the meetings and the women weren't allowed to be in the house at all. And some people think it was like maybe a Masonic related meeting. Like the, is that the Freemasons? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So during their marriage, they had two daughters and a son, and their son unfortunately passed away at a young age in the home. Julia passed away as well when she was 80 years old, and Asher followed her eight years later, dying on April 29th, 1924 at 3 a.m., which is a terrifying time. It's the witching hour. Yeah. Mm. So this house has been a bed and breakfast for a couple of times throughout the years, and now, like the Whispering Estates home, it's open for tours and uh, paranormal investigations. Visitors of the house have said that they can hear footsteps and they hear kids laughing all throughout the home. They'll sometimes hear a piano being played. They've even claimed that they've seen a woman in white walking across the lawn and down the street at night. Yeah, I don't like that. Which, you know what's really funny? Like, with these kinds of stories it's always a woman in white i was gonna say that yeah like every time so the parlor in the front uh room was where they would hold the wakes and in that room you can hear like footsteps and laughing and you know people set up like cameras in there for their research and they'll catch a lot of stuff like movements and temperature and stuff so then you go to the staircase that's right in front of the door and you can hear kids running up and down the staircase. So there's a rumor that says, like, there was a little boy that fell down the stairs and died in the 1800s. I would hate hearing that. Steps, like somebody's going up the steps, but Mm -hmm. nobody's there. To me, like, that's such a creepy sound. Yeah, that's almost worse than actually seeing something. Yeah, Mm -hmm. just hearing and not seeing it, for sure. Yeah. So if you walk up the stairs uh, by the front door, at the top there's a landing. And people, like, standing in the road have said that they'll see, like, there's a window up there, and they'll see the curtain open, and they'll see a lady in white looking out the window. So there's also, like, in the bathroom, that one is said to be pretty active, too, like that room of the house, because there's a man in there with a beard that will also look out the windows. They've had psychics come in and say that that it's most likely Mr. Walton that haunts the bathroom. So there's multiple cameras in this house set up, like set up throughout the house to catch activity and also, you know, for like security purposes. So I watched a clip of footage uh, from the camera in the dining room and it was definitely freaky. So one night, an employee was staying the night there, and he went downstairs around, like, 3 o'clock in the morning to, like, get a drink, you know, go to the bathroom. 
So he gets to the dining room and the door is wide open. He wakes up the other two people in the house with him and they search the house to see if anyone's there. But the house is clear. You know, no one had broken in. So they look back at the security footage and in it you can hear like the deadbolt click open. You know, like when you turn the deadbolt and it makes that noise. Yeah. You can hear that. And then the door slams open and it slams open hard enough that it cracked the stained glass in the window. And then the worst part about all of this is you can hear like mumbling and like talking like a man's like talking in the background. So this house is looked after by Paranormal Dares. It's Keith Fournier and Jess Angel. And they have a pretty cool website if anybody wants to check it out. It's paranormaldares.com. And it has everything from like their events and their stories and their videos. And it's really neat because they do like a lot of investigation work. That's cool. So now we get to the worst one. <laughs> I saved the worst for last. Okay. Okay. So this one is Willow's Weep. Or sometimes it's just called the weep, and it's got its name from the willow tree that's planted in the yard. Willow's weep has been described as one of the most evil houses in America. And this one is actually not too far from us. It's located on 5173 North Elm Tree Road, and this one is in Cayuga. So it's like, what, 30, 45 minutes from us? Yeah, I know exactly where that is. Mm -hmm. Just north of, like, Newport yeah. and all that. Yeah. Yep. So... The house's original owner was John Henry Sykes, and he built the house in 1890. The house is built in the shape of an upside-down cross. And the joints in the corners of the joining rooms meet in the main living area to form a pentagram. And if that's not enough, the house is also right in front of a crossroads. And crossroads are said to be the meeting places of demons and evil entities. Yeah, that's where uh, musicians go to sell their souls to the devil. Oh, okay. Mm. Excellent. Robert Johnson, he's, I think, the most notorious. He's like a blues player. He was said to s sell his soul to the devil. Are you, are you messing with me, or is that serious? Yeah, it's for real. To, to be able to play the guitar like he did. No way. Oh, wow. Yeah. I wonder if up. he actually did. What was his name? Robert Johnson. Okay, I'll have to look that up. So... There have been, like, multiple deaths in this home. The original owner, he passed away in the bathtub from unknown causes. Uh, there have also been three men who were poisoned and a number of suicides. Many people believe that the demons in the home push you to commit suicide. So, in the 40s or 50s, there was a woman who moved in with her two children, a young girl around five years of age and an older boy in, like, his late teens, early 20s. She'd been married three times, and all of them died, so the three poisonings. And then one day, her daughter goes missing, and for whatever reason, not much is done to find her. Like There's really no searches, no nothing. Shortly after that, the brother hung himself in one of the doorways of the home. Another woman also lived there in the 50s, and she said that rocking chairs would rock on their own, dishes would fly off the table, and she said that she was convinced that there was more than, like, one entity in her home. The rocking chair. We've talked about the no, rocking chair before. I don't like mm -hmm. that at all. Yeah, I don't like that. That's gross. So, this house, like, 
It's shaped like a cross, right? Mm -hmm. Which is kind of cool. You know what I mean? Like, just, like, you can look at pictures online with, like, the way it's it's set up. Yeah. So, like, if you're looking at the house it and you go like up and look down it's literally an upside down cross it's it's very wet like cool the way this house is set up um and then it's got like this big meeting point in the middle so if you're standing outside the house and looking at it there's a little window to like high up and that leads to the attic but in the inside of the house there is absolutely no way to get to this attic They've looked, there's no stairs, there's no nothing. There's just no way to get it. So if you want to get in the attic, you have to get a tall-ass ladder and climb up the house and go through this little tiny window. So there was this little girl and her family, and they were staying at the house at the time. The little girl, like they're having a party at their house, and this little girl is like standing, just staring up at this window. And they're all like, you know, like, what are you looking at? And she's like, oh, there's, you know, a little girl in the window. And she's three, so they just think, like, oh, she's, you know, just making shit up. She's a little girl. So they all go inside, still doing their thing, still having fun, still partying. And they hear her screaming. So they all run outside, and the little girl is crying. And she says that the girl in the attic came down and bit her in her face. And they're like, what? They look at her face, and she had a bite mark on her cheek. Like, it was like an actual like human bite mark, teeth prints and all. A family in the 90s also lived there. Uh, the mother of the home suffered a heart attack while she was in her home. And a couple years later, her husband committed suicide in the home. Now, their son is adamant that the house isn't haunted and that it's all just been blown like way out of proportion. And he's actually pretty pissed about it because he doesn't want like his children growing up and seeing their grandma or like their step-grandfather in that light. So I left out their names since he doesn't want to be bothered. Yeah, that's fair. The house's current owner is David Spinks. He's a paranormal investigator, but before that it was owned by a lady named Brenda. Now she had heard the, of like the rumors about the house, but she didn't really believe in any of the paranormal stuff. She was kind of skeptical about all of it. So she bought it anyway. So she starts fixing up the house and everything is pretty quiet at first. But as they're making progress, fixing up the house, like things start to get really weird. Her and her son are in there like working on the ceiling and a two by four like that was secured to the wall flies off and hits him like right in the mouth. Um, She said that she was scratched by something in the house. Doors would slam. Uh, The saw that they were using would just move across the floor and she would also hear noises under the floorboards. So while they were working on the floor, they pulled up some boards and they noticed that there was an old book underneath one of the planks. It was a black book with a flaming pentagram on it. And the title of the book was, is there a real spirit world? The book was said to be about necromancy and occult practices. I think it would be very cool to find a book under a floorboard because I love books so much, but I don't want to find a book like that. Mm-hmm. No, that's the coolest book to find. Are you kidding me? You'd like open up that book and like a demon would pop out? No, thanks. I don't think that's how it works, but it could. It could. But. <laughs> uh, sorry, that lady. Um, so, anyway. 
So the noises under the floorboards, they were attributed to old pipes. So one day a maintenance man comes over and he crawls under the house to fix him. So he's crawling under there and he sees these like piles of dirt. And, you know, he's like, they're probably from like a gopher or a groundhog. I'm just going to push him out of the way so I can get to where I'm going. So he pushes the pile of dirt out of the way and his hand like snags on a bone and he picks up the bone and he's like, you know, what is this? As soon as he touches a bone, he said an unseen force starts attacking him. So they struggle for what he said feels like forever. And he's like fighting with all the strength he has to get away from what is, whatever is attacking him. He eventually does and he gives the bone to the owner, Brenda. She takes it to a local doctor and he confirms that the bone is a child's arm bone and the bone is about like 50 years old. So she takes it to the sheriff and the sheriff is basically like, what do you want me to do about it? It's, it's 50 years old. I can do nothing about it, which I thought was kind of weird. You mm -hmm. found a, a kid's bone underneath a hole. Maybe you should like do a little bit more research or in, investigative mm -hmm. work to. Yeah, definitely lazy police work. For sure. So she just puts the bone back under the house because she's like, you know, I don't want to mess with this anymore. So another time the maintenance man, and this is before the whole crawling under the house incident, because after that happened, he was done. He didn't want to go back in the house. Uh, he's outside mowing the yard and is like pushed off of his mower. He ends up going to the hospital and told that he was like really close to fracturing a couple of places in his spine. Another time, uh, him and Brenda are outside painting the house and he's at the top of the ladder and she's like holding the bottom of the ladder all of a sudden, he flies backwards off the ladder, and he tells Brenda that in his mind, he saw a woman rush him and tell him to get the fuck out of the house. Can you imagine picturing that in your mind? No, not at all. Like a woman rushing towards you. So after all of this, Brenda's like, you know, She's pretty much over the house and wants to sell it. And then that's when David Spinks comes in and buys the house. She goes inside to get the rest of her stuff. And one of those things being a security camera, she reaches up to take the camera down and the cross necklace that she's wearing. She said it feels like it's being lifted up, like somebody had grabbed it and was lifting it up. And then she said it starts to choke her. So she grabs the extension cords, you know, to like rip them out of the wall and hurry up and get out of there when the extension cord wraps around her neck and starts choking her. The woman she was with was able to yank the cord off of her and they both ran out of the house. Now, a lot of investigators and people who have been in this house describe like it was like a very heavy feeling. And the investigators and researchers think that while it's it was built as like an upside down cross, so you would think that it was like built for evil purposes, they said that they think it's actually built to trap demons and entities, and that's why it's shaped like a cross. Yeah, that's interesting for mm -hmm. sure. So if anybody wants to know more about this house, there is a book written by David Spinks called Willow's Weep, The Beginning. And there's also a documentary you can watch on Scare Network TV. There's a lot more that happened in this house and um, a lot more, like, like a deeper dive into like all of his paranormal investigations yeah. in the home. 
That's cool. I I uh, I've never even heard about this, and it's like you said, relatively close. Mm-hmm. I mean, less you can get there within an hour, you know. Yeah. Um. Huh, crazy. Yeah. Yep. And that is uh, haunted houses in Indiana. I wonder what the what do the people in Cayuga think about the house? Mm. I mean, I don't know. I'd be interested to like talk to somebody there and think. Like, yeah. ask them, like, do you think this house is haunted? Or, like, have you experienced any, like, weird things? Or Yeah. I, I've been through the town, and I've been in the town one time. I went to this girl's house for a few hours, like, her family's house. And that was it. And it was kind of like, there's, like, nothing. It's like fields. Yeah. Cornfields, soybean fields. Like, nothing's there. And, like, a little gas station, maybe. I don't, I don't remember what else is in the town, but... Very, 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 very small. Oh, yeah. So to have this kind of house just seems like very out of place. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's uh, definitely. Did you say whether you could tour this house or not? Uh, I don't know yeah. if they're allowing tours or not. I didn't really see much on the website of if not he does let there, people in there. It would just be interesting to see. Oh, hell yeah. no. I'm not going in that one, especially this one. This was the worst out of all of them. Yeah. It's a hard no. Yeah, I don't think I'd go in there. One day I think we should all just say screw it and go to a haunted house. We'll see. Yeah. Maybe one day. On Christmas. (laughs) Yeah. On Easter, a holy day. (laughs) All right. All right. Well, that was it. That was fun. That was good. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Morgan. Yeah, no problem.